This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Pfizer and Moderna say that updated COVID-19 boosters for the under 50 crowd are on the way. These shots were supposed to be available this summer, but they're expected to be ready by early September instead. That's because vaccine manufacturers decided to focus their efforts on creating vaccines that would prevent against the latest Omicron strains. And joining us now with more is Dr. Mia Teramina, infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Hey, doctor. Hey, Sasha. So it looks like we'll get these boosters by the fall, but we've been hearing for months that immunity for many people has waned. So is September soon enough? Well, it's never soon enough in in the terms of the trajectory of this pandemic. We've always wanted things faster and faster and faster. But timing-wise, with these boosters likely having decent effect, you know, a week or two after we get the booster doses, that's going to put us in line with where we really start to have our flu and, you know, fall viral seasons. So I think that the timing is going to be pretty good if we indeed are able to get our hands on them in early September. If it starts getting into October or November before we realistically are going to have potentially more widespread distribution of this stuff, just because the vaccines are created, we still have to have the FDA approve and we have to have the CDC sign off and mm-hmm. get them shipped out. So hopefully the timing is good and it'll line up nicely with when we start moving indoors and having just regular viral fall season. Well, speaking of the FDA, it advised vaccine makers to make the booster Omicron specific. Without getting too much into the weeds, what does that mean? So essentially it means adding some code to the existing vaccines. So this is not a whole brand new vaccine targeting Omicron. It's the same Pfizer or Moderna vaccine you've already received with some updated coding to cover BA4 and BA5, which should, in theory, give us protection against some of the earlier strains of Omicron as well, in addition to some variants that are still springing up. Hopefully the code that is for BA4, BA5 will still give us some more specific protection against what's going around now and what's likely to be going around moving forward. So remind us, who's eligible to get a booster right now? So right now, if you're not immune suppressed, anyone five and up should have a third dose on board. And everyone who is 50 and up is eligible for a fourth dose. Immune suppressed folks are eligible in in for additional doses as well. So an immune suppressed younger a person may have four doses and an older person may have five doses at this point. So I know there's a lot of folks that are adults that have had only three and they're dragging their heels on that fourth. Um, but it's going to be soon that we need one. And if you do get a booster now, as is recommended, uh, when the appropriate interval, as suggested by the CDC, is released when these Omicron-specific boosters come out, then you'll know when you need another dose of an Omicron-specific booster. And for parents of kids that are, you know, maybe in that 5 to 12-year-old age group that only have two doses on board and they've been waiting to get closer to the school year to boost with that third dose, Mm -hmm. the time is now. It's August 1st. Let's get those third doses in these kids before they start school. Well, here's a Twitter question for you. The person says, I'm traveling to Ireland in October. I feel like holding off is a crapshoot in timing as my husband and I are booster due. Do you agree? It is. It is. And and I, I'm a part of that as well. Technically, I'm not eligible for a booster. I don't meet the criteria based on age alone. But if you are between 50 and 64 and you are eligible but are healthy, that's the 
folks that seem to be dragging their heel the, heels the most. If you're between 50 and 64 and you have significant health issues, you should have that fourth dose on board right now. Everyone 65 and up, yep, healthy or not, we really need to have that extra dose on board. But I hear you, we're in October and it might just be a matter of six weeks or so um, where we have to kind of you know, play a little bit of, of dodging this bullet for a little bit longer in order to get that, that booster dose in that we want. Yeah. So it's a, it's a case-by-case basis, definitely something to discuss with your provider. Is it likely that we'll see new variants, Dr. Termina? Yes, it is. Uh, we are we're, we're no, keeping our eye on one right answer. now. <laughs> wrong answer. Well, you know they're they're going to start to come. They should start to come slower. We're not necessarily going to get the big gun that is going to you know really uh, cause a major wave every few months. We're we're hopefully not going to see that. Just looking at the nature of coronaviruses, after a while, they they mutate slower, um, and you know we should still have some hybrid protection between our. Uh, recovery from COVID and our our vaccines that we're receiving along the way. Um, We're keeping our eye on a variant right now that is kind of a a substrain of Omicron BA2. It's BA2.75. And that one, you know, we've already got some cases here in Illinois. It doesn't seem to be uh, something that's going to just blow BA5 out of the water, but we we do have to be mindful that any of these variants and subvariants could potentially pick up steam. But when something really, really picks up steam and it infects a lot of people, we get those lulls where we have this period of protective immunity for quite a while until something is kind of able to overcome that immunity wall that we are forming. If you're just tuning in, I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and that is infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Teramina. We're talking about how new variants could impact vaccines. Doctor, we got a call recently from a listener asking for some advice. This is Joe in Barrington. My wife and I are going to be doing IVF uh, transfer in August, and then we have a family vacation coming up in September. With the uptick in COVID, our concern is possibly getting COVID while we're on vacation, only weeks after having the IVF transfer. And I just wanted to know what the current research is for risk to the fetus at that point. What would you recommend, doctor? So we don't want to get COVID when we're pregnant. Uh, certainly all across the board, um, folks that, that have COVID during pregnancy can have a more severe course. So if the transfer is going to be scheduled for you know a couple of weeks from now, uh, to the extent that there's an ability and you qualify for a booster dose of vaccine at this time, I would get it now before that transfer uh, happens to you know have that immunity kind of filled up prior to going through the transfer and then going through the family vacation. And certainly, if there is a risk trying to avoid getting COVID while you are pregnant or attempting to become pregnant is very uh, much something you would want to do. So mask wearing, social distancing, especially if you're going to be around many others who are not fully vaccinated or you know engaging in a lot of activities that involve close contacts and indoor spaces in a community where a transmission is currently high. Let's get an update on monkeypox before you go. Where are we at as of today with with cases in Illinois? Yeah, so there's over 500 now. There's about 520 cases in Illinois, and wow. more are to come. Yeah, That's, so it's, it's kind growing of, it's, pretty it's quickly. Bit. Yeah, it's going yep, fast. Sure. So who's able to for get sure. who's able to get the vaccine? 
right now? So, you know, those who are eligible for vaccine, uh, first and foremost, are going to include folks who have been exposed um, to use the vaccine in post-exposure prophylaxis. And then we are trying to get vaccine available for uh, folks that are in higher risk groups. And primarily those are individuals who work closely with monkeypox, who are actually seeing patients, and folks who are engaging in some higher risk sexual activity, men who have sex with men primarily. And we're just the the demand far outweighs the supply. Um, you know, we've only even had access to just a handful of vaccines, less than twenty thousand um, in the Chicagoland area, and only about seven thousand out in the suburbs. And we just keep waiting every Monday for that announcement: Are we getting more? Are we getting more? Mm-hmm. Are we getting more? I have a wait list that's considerably long, and and when and if I get vaccine doses for these folks who Goodness. are eligible and are higher risk, we, we just kind of go down the line when we have a shot available for you. My goodness. Well, so no no answer as to whether uh, vaccine more vaccine doses are, are coming soon. They're supposed to be. That's all we know. But yeah. we don't know if that's tomorrow or two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, it still feels like the middle of summer, doctor, but... School is around the corner, as you mentioned earlier. Chicago Public School officials, they're strongly recommending masking for this upcoming school year. So given where we are with these cases, do you think CPS should require masks? Uh, it's, it's really tough. I, the the recommendation when you are in an area of high-risk transmission is to wear masks when you are indoors. Mask wearing, by my view, doesn't work very well if if everyone's not complying. So if we have, you know, only a few people taking that strong recommendation and wearing a mask and at that wearing maybe just a paper mask or even a cloth mask, it's not going to do much. Um, what we really need uh, is universal mask wearing if that's going to be the direction we go in or folks that are truly vulnerable need to be in a well-fitting N95 or KN95 mask as they start school this fall. I'm in favor of, you know, as as strong of a recommendation as possible. If you are in an area of high transmission, you should be masked in indoor spaces. And that may look like our kids going to school in the fall, wearing masks for a couple of weeks, then not wearing masks for a couple of weeks, then wearing them again for a month, and then not again once we hit the spring. I don't know yet, but I'm not too keen on sending my daughter to school unmasked when transmission is very high. Absolutely not. Me neither. Um, you know, same with, you know, my daughters will be taking public transportation together to get there. And so it'll be all masks all the time for us. Um, so before you go, any steps that you, you want to tell educators and the city that they could take to get ready for this upcoming school year with COVID? I think first and foremost, and this is hard and it may not be a popular opinion, but, you know, educators, employees and staff setting an example by wearing masks um, would be a big step because that will encourage the students to kind of follow in step and have masks available for students, even if a parent is not necessarily requiring it. If a student chooses to wear a mask and wants to have one during the day to go ahead and have that accessible. I think that there is room for mask breaks if you're sitting in your chair and you're not moving about the classroom uh, to take the mask off for a period of time, but moving through the hallways and, you know, finding your way to your seat in the cafeteria, that that might be an opportunity to kind of have that mask close by. So I think we need to be mindful of what's going on in community trends and also what's going on in our hospitals, because that's going to be an important step as well. And that will be critical in determining if we do end up in a full-on mandate. That's infectious disease specialist, Dr. Mia Teramina with Dooley Health and Care. Thank you so much, doctor. Have a great week. 
Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.